Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. You can talk about all the motivational speeches and phrases and devices in the world, but the greatest motivator of all is your ass on the bench. There is no better motivator. Ass meets bench. Bench retains ass. Ass transmits signal to brain. Brain transmits signal to body. Body gets ass off bench and plays better. I mean, it's a hell of a sequence of things that takes place. Bobby Knight passed away yesterday at the age of 83. I covered him just for one season, 1998-1999. The general in Bloomington. It was a wild ride. I'm glad I got that opportunity. I don't know that I would have lasted very long on that beat, though. It was interesting, never boring. Every off day, leave your tape recorder running. Ass meets bench. Great motivator. Kelly Graves, University of Oregon, women's basketball coach, former college player himself, joining us now. Is is uh, is Bobby Knight right? Great motivator, benching a player. Well, I've always thought the two, two best motivators are the bench and the baseline. So, uh, you know, they're not doing what they should in practice. Sometimes you just put them on the line, on the baseline, and get run. But, yeah, it can be. Sure. Sure. I think he's on to something there. I think you have to you know your You also kind of triggered me, big guy. I did. How so? That, that's, a, that's my trigger, you know, because he, he got on me when I was in school back in the day. Let me hear about this. So. That 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 it's all coming back to me now. What happened? I was at this uh, basketball camp at Utah State, the uh, some All American basketball camp, and this was back in like seventy eight, seventy nine, and uh, he was the guest speaker. Now, obviously, everybody knew who he was, and they were two years removed from their undefeated season. But uh, you know, we were out stretching and doing stuff like that while he's talking. I think about the importance of stretching. So he turned me off right then, right? <laughs> so I guess I was kind of talking or whatever, and he kind of made his way through me. You know, there was a hundred or so guys in the camp, and he comes up next to me and he says, "Son, you mind standing up?" And he uh, so I stood up, and you know, he's a big man. Yes. And he put his hand on the back of my neck and squeezed and made me look at everybody and proceeded to dress me down for like the next two minutes. Uh, according to him, I was never going to amount to anything. <laughs> on and on and on. I forget what he said exactly, but I got Bobby Knighted pretty good. That is a whole uh, camp. That's a great story. Do you think you could have played for him? Would you have adjusted to his style of coaching? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I, I think we all the coaches back then, John, as you well know, uh, were like that. You know, that's kind of – that. he was the prototype. And, and to be honest, when I first got into coaching, 
uh, he was the one that everyone tried to emulate. Uh, you know, you had the Dean Smith faction because he was so gentle and, you know, and I guess John Wooden to, to some degree then he was, he was on his way out. Uh, but it was Bobby Knight and he was a great teacher of coaches. And, you know, I, the, the first videotape, this is back when VHS was a brand new thing. In fact, they may have been beta, but it was the Bobby Knight motion offense clinic one and clinic two. And I think, those two videotapes were in every young coach's library. And uh, I, I spent countless hours watching those. And early on in my career, ran a lot of the stuff that he did. Let me ask you, because I think he was a fantastic teacher. I never saw him in a clinic setting, but I saw him working with players. And I did get peeks into practice. And he would take media members if he was in a good mood. And he'd try to teach us what he was actually trying to do on the court, or what they were trying to do. But do you think his style translates to today that gets said a lot i even i'm guilty of saying it is there truth in that like in today's nil portal world does his act play probably not um you know only because it took a while for the so-called whistleblowers to kind of you know uh act back then i i'm not sure that the neil reed thing was done like overnight nowadays you know student athletes feel empowered to you know to go to your bosses about those kind of things so uh and parents are a lot more involved than they were you know there was a time when whatever the coaches said went and i grew up in that that generation that's why even for someone like me it's it's still a little bit uh, different you know what we're going through now you know when the coach said you know jump you you said how high and that's you know now they want to know, well, why? <laughs> why should I jump? <laughs> you know, it's it's just different. And I'm it, not saying it's better or worse. It's just that's the way we grew up. It, it's interesting to me to kind of hear people memorialize him. And I think a lot of times we only say the nice things. But I am hearing people talking about, eh, you know, he was a great coach. He was a great teacher. But he had a temper issue. Or, you know, and I think... With Knight, he was a very complex guy. Like, I really liked him. I liked covering him. I thought he was interesting. I thought he was smart. You're right. I was surprised how big he was because I'd seen him on TV, but I didn't realize how tall he was. He's a large human being, and he's intimidating just standing in front of you. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think the true testament is, you, you know, you you look at the people who are, you know, the, the outpouring of, of support and 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 empathy and, and sympathy, all that kind of stuff. Now, he touched a lot of lives, and I think his players, you know, obviously there's some that that didn't like him, but I think the majority of them did. And from what I understand, he, you know, if you could get through and play for him for four years, he was loyal to you for the rest of your life, and would do anything. He would call employers and say, "You would be crazy if you didn't hire this person." And just look at his coaching tree, and starts with Shashevsky and goes, and goes on. And um, you know they are all influenced by uh, by him. So, you know, I, I think it's easy to to kind of, you know, and in this day and age, let's face it, you know, everybody looks at the negative, but there were certainly a lot of positives about him. We're talking to Kelly Graves, University of Oregon women's basketball coach. Uh, this season, this upcoming season, uh, you know, how excited are you? You know, what do you think of your team at this point? 
Can you believe it starts on Monday, opening I night? I know. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Everybody's frenzied for football, and our volleyball team here is doing so well. Um, you know, it's crazy to think the basketball's right around the corner, but I like my team. I do. You know, it's it, it just full disclosure and being totally honest, it's not our most talented team we've had. Um, but I, I still feel we can have a great season. I, I think we've got a uh, certainly a good nucleus, one through seven. I think we're very, very good. Uh, we just got to work on developing some depth because it's a long season and you need more than seven. Um, but, you know, we work hard. The chemistry's been great. I think we have some blue-collar types on the team, and then we have a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of stars that we're going to really rely on to, to kind of carry us, uh, certainly in big moments. What do you see around the conference? And I know Stanford's got a lot coming back, but what do you see in the Pac-12 in general? Oh, I think it's as loaded as it's ever been. Uh, you know, Utah's a legitimate Final Four contender, so is UCLA. I think they're both ranked in the preseason top five. Stanford, you know, they're <laughs> they're always good. I mean, that, that goes without saying. I think USC, they just got the number one player in the country. She's a freshman. Uh, she's got a chance to be really special. She could probably play in the WNBA right now as a as a true freshman, uh, you know. And then Washington State won the league last year, and they return everybody. Uh, you know, it, it's just in Colorado. You know, my old uh, former player Jr. has done an amazing job, and they're in the top fifteen or sixteen in every poll. So it's uh, it's really deep, and uh, it's going to be a real challenge night in night out. But you know, but the Ducks are going to be good enough to beat anybody on any given day. Over an eight-team game schedule, we'll 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 see. But um, but we're going to certainly fight. That's for sure. I look at the football teams this season, and I made this comment to Dan Landing the other day that you know that there are a lot of these teams that look really different in in week eight or nine or ten than they did in week two or three. Does that happen over the course of a basketball season? And, and what is the sample size when you start to see teams that really start to evolve? Like, you know, how many games do you need to sort of have growth? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think by the time you get to Christmas, you, you pretty much know what you have, uh, you know, um, you're going into conference play. But there's ups and downs every year. You know, we had a lull in the middle of Pac-12 season that cost us ultimately, you know, a tournament bid. But, um, you know, but then at the end of the year, we were playing great. I mean, look at baseball. I mean, oh, baseball's a different sport, but the, the Rangers there in parts of September and August were among the worst teams in, the, in, the, in baseball. And then they, you know, they get hot at the right time. So I think with every sport, there's just ups and downs. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to go through those too. Coach, I saw on social media that you weren't participating in Halloween, and I need to know why. <laughs> what happened? Well, 25 years. Have you been on the radio 25 years yet? No, 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 not not 25, but hitting, yeah, hitting creeping so. up on 20, creeping up on 20 here. Yeah, well, I've, I've been doing it for about 25 years, and I love it. It's been awesome. In fact, this year when kids came to the door and parents, they were disappointed and they kept thinking, you know, thank you. It's been a big part of the neighborhood on and on. It was just time. Uh, that and the fact that my youngest son is back from college. He's headed overseas to play some pro ball, but he's here and all of his stuff is in the garage. And I quite frankly didn't want to 
take it all out to put my stuff in. So I thought, eh, now's probably a pretty good time to just shut it down. So when you you say shut it down. We all grow up, right? I'm 60, so I had to finally grow up. When you say shut it down, are you are you like selling everything, giving it away? What are you are you keeping it in storage? Are you in hiatus or are you really done? John, I'm done. I I had uh, I, I've given almost everything away, uh, you know. But it's being used. So we okay. we had a great event here at the arena for kids uh, a couple of nights before Halloween. It was very well attended. A lot of my stuff was here. I brought in two big totes full of stuff for them to use. And now it's theirs to keep. And then I did the. I sent over about eight or nine totes to the athletic department, and they do a little open haunted house every year. And a lot of it was used there. And now hopefully will be dispersed to everybody over there. So it's all gone, big guy. Just a couple of zombies. You know, I got to you. Got to have a you and me look alike. So right. I got a couple of those still, but that's it, man. That's so- it. You're going to have to find something else because you're, there's, you're going to find that the, you got a little bit of free time on your hands. We'll see what happens here. Uh, WNBA, like a lot of people expecting Portland was going to get a franchise. Seems like that's on pause now. It just feels like it, it's a natural fit, and, and you're a part of this. And I'm going to drag you into this because Scott Ruick and Kelly Graves have both generated passion, generated players, put players in the league, it feels like there's just great synergy in this region, and I hope that eventually there's a WNBA team here. But what was your reaction when you saw, hey, Portland, you know, got you're going to be on hold for a while? Well, I haven't really followed it, to be honest, so I'm not sure where they're at. I, I think it makes great sense. It's a no-brainer, in my opinion. You've got two of the 15 largest, fan, um, you know, uh, universities in, in fan attendance right here in your backyard, and uh, you know, the Thorns, obviously, they, they draw really well, I think, best in the league. And you've got the infrastructure there with the, the beautiful arenas. So I don't know why they don't. Um, right now there's 13 teams in the league. That doesn't make a lot of sense. you got to yeah, – I think you got to have an even number. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I, I would think that Portland would be a great franchise. I know you've been on the baseball bandwagon for years and i think that's a great idea too portland's a major league city so we should have multiple major league teams in my opinion yeah i i i would like to see a wnba team here i think you funnel your talent right into it um all right so season starting uh young player maybe that we can watch who's your who's your young player that maybe has an opportunity to have a big ceiling by the time she's done playing well, we've got a lot of young players, but one name I'll throw out there that I know you know and a lot of people in the Portland area do, and that's Sophia Bell. Uh, yep. She's been one of our most consistent players right from the start. She's solidly earned a starting spot as kind of that in that 2-3 position for us. And, you know, she's a, if she was an NBA guy, she'd be a lottery pick because she's a classic 3 and D, great length, uh, you know, shoots a 3 and can really defend, so... It's exciting to have a, a, a Portland. You know, we haven't had a lot of great Oregon players that have played for us since I've been here. Uh, Lexi Bando certainly won. But, uh, so it's going to be really nice to have a, an Oregonian, and she's a legacy. You know, her dad, Greg, played down here as well yeah. back in the day. So yep. uh, really excited about her. She's a great kid, too, four-point student, which is twice what I got. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so she's, uh, she's the whole package, really. Kelly, this, uh, you know, you guys have raised expectations, obviously, over the years. Uh, Give me an idea of, 
you know, how do you build upon what you have now? How do you get this program back to competing for a conference championship? Well, it takes continuing to get great players, and we've been able to do that. Our recruiting has not really slowed down. Our problem has been we haven't kept them. You know, uh, the portal, we've lost more to the portal than we gained, I think, overall. Last year we made a conscious effort to go with the young players, and I think that's going to pay off. But in this day and age, you just got to be active in the portal as well. And, um, you know, but I I think we can get it back to where we had it. I, I, I truly do. And, you know, Oregon still has a great name, and there aren't very many programs out there that have a first and a second team all WNBA player. Uh, in their recent past. So, you know, it, that if kids want to be pros, this is still a great place to come to. So we'll, we'll get it back. My staff's working hard. I think we have the right makeup, the right personnel this year on the team, and I think we, uh, we'll we we'll turn some heads. I think we're really going to be a team that plays hard and scrappy, and, and, you know, my teams have always played good offense. You know, we just got to put it all together now. You are you're watching your kids grow up and go off into, you know, various stages of their life. What is that like for you? Well, it's pretty cool. My oldest just got engaged here a month or two ago, and that's pretty neat. So we're planning, or they're planning a wedding for next October. So uh, hopefully soon, man, I'll have some grandkids around. We'll see. But, uh, you know, and, and Jack, my middle son, is still doing a great job coaching the Lane women's basketball team, and they're, you know, they're phenomenal. I think he's lost like four or five games in the last three years. Uh, and then my youngest, uh, Will, is, is headed to Indonesia to play pro ball. You know, that's going to be a good start for him. He's looking forward to it. And, uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's rewarding. It's it's a lot of fun to see him grow up. You're, you'll be there soon, big guy. You've got one out of the house, but you know, it's uh, when they all leave, it's like, darn, <laughs> you know, leaves a big hole in your heart for sure. I know, and then you're getting out of the Halloween game. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to check on you, all right? Uh, bank on that. All hey, right, but you... I am going to be in Portland a lot, though. I've, I've okay. got, uh, you know, tickets for the Blazers, and I'm going to keep those, I think, for the rest of my life, get into you... the Blazer deal. And so okay. I'm going to be up there like I was last year, 10 or 12 times. So That's nice. Let's make sure we... Uh, Grab some coffee. All right, let's do that. All right, uh, what do you think? Uh, what are you looking for out of Scoot Henderson then? Let's just talk as a fan here. Like, I'm not going to quote you as a coach. What do you want to see out of uh, Blazers rookie? Well, he's got to get elite fast because I think uh, that's a that's a position. If they they get great play out of that, I think they're going to be pretty good. Sharp was amazing last night. Man, down the stretch, he was unguardable. Kind of reminded me of Kobe back in the day, but. I think they've got the pieces. I think they have the right coach. Uh, they'll they'll be young, but I think it's a team that can grow together. So I'm really looking forward to them. I think they're going to be a lot better in February and March than they are in November and December. Uh, so I look forward to seeing what the ceiling is for these guys. But, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of, of Scoot. So I, I would defer to you and any of your listeners for a better, um, you know, explanation there. I appreciate you calling in and uh, talking about Bobby Knight squeezing your neck and uh, love that you listen to the show. <laughs> and good luck to you on Monday. You got Northern Arizona coming to Matthew Knight Arena, then Arkansas Pine Bluff on Wednesday, and uh, off to a good start. Well, let's hope so. Okay. Hey, I right. appreciate you, John. You bet. You bet. Okay, Thanks, buddy. Coach.
All right, there he goes, Kelly Graves. He's giving up Halloween. What's gotten into him? Come on, you can't give up a holiday that you have specialized in. Um, you know, I get it. He's done it for 25 years. He's going, hey, I don't have the kids. And believe me, believe me, my front yard today still has some Halloween decor out there. Uh, the kids seem less interested in helping me clean it up than they did in helping me put it up, if you know what I mean. Leave it here. Kelly Graves leaving it to you, uh, Staven to evaluate the performance of Scoot Henderson to this point of the season. Steven, Scoot. Not great. Not great at all. Um, there's been some signs that he's been good, but you know, you look at his overall stats and you look at some in-depth numbers, and they haven't been great for Scoot. Um, you know, there's some things that I really like about him. You know, last night there was a couple plays where he got a couple buckets going, and then he went and he got into people on defense, and he picked him up full court, and then he caused a turnover on the defensive side, and that's the kind of stuff that I like to see, John. But if you just look at the numbers and you look at kind of what he's done. There's been a lot left desired. Now, I'm not worried about him. It's five games, small sample size, uh, but I think there's a lot of learning for him to become a really good player. And, and there's going to be time to have that happen, but uh, you know, he's got the athleticism. The jump shot's just not there yet. He's going to have to work on that. He's going to have to work on you know changing speeds. He has one speed, and that's it. You know, A lot of the NBA is you know going quick, then going slow, then going quick again. He's got to learn how to do that. But um, I would say he has been... A little under what I thought he would come when he come in and play like uh, a little under underachieving, under but overall it's been okay, but not great. The two and three start raised an eyebrow with me because I, you know, I had him at maybe like one and five in the first five, two and three. They did a little better than I thought they would. Is they're on a pace now to win thirty-two games? Would you take over or under? 30 right now if I gave it to you. I would still take the under on 30. Um, that's a little high for me, but I, I think that's the right number. And it's one of those things where you look at this team, John, they have some veterans on the team that are really playing well. And Malcolm Brogdon has come off the bench. He's been really good this entire season so far, the first five games. It's going to be hard to imagine there's not going to be another team that is looking to compete that will want a guy like him, whether to come off the bench or not. I, I love I love him off the bench. You know, he's the guy that I've been looking for the Blazers to get off of the bench for years. And they finally got him, but they're not going to continue building with him. They'll trade him at some point, I imagine. But Shaden Sharp, as Kelly Graves said, he's been really good. Um, what do you do with What do you do if uh, Anthony Simons when he comes back? That, that's the question, right? I mean, luckily there's six weeks in between when he comes back, probably, and uh, you know when we have to make that decision. But I think you you can't take Shaden Sharp out of the lineup with the way that he's been playing. You know, he's definitely taking that leadership role of being the go-to guy on the team. And so I think right now, if I were to choose, it would have to be Matisse Thibel going to the bench, and you just have to start the three guards and see what happens and then figure it out from there. But, yeah, I mean, Shane Sharp has been awesome, John. You know, I, I, you know, I was looking up some stats, and he's number one in, in wings in the NBA of non like forcing non-shooting fouls. So, you know, using his body off the ball, running off his screens, you know, getting after people and forcing, uh, forcing people to foul him. That's a unique skill to have, and at 20 years old, to be able to lead league after five games, small sample size. But you know, he, he's causing fouls and he's drawing fouls, and that's the key in the NBA to get easy buckets like that because he can shoot, he can jump, he can run. But you know what? If you can cut, you can get some easy points. That's the way to do it. So Shane Sharp, you know, he's been very impressed with these first five games. I played that Bobby Knight cut in front of the Kelly Graves interview. If people missed it, he was talking about the best motivator being the fact that uh, you know the bench. 
Uh, got some other Bobby Knight to share with you. Here's Bobby Knight uh, talking about why his Indiana teams played so damn hard. Somebody says to me, how do you get your teams to play as hard as they do? Your teams play harder than almost any other basketball team I watch. What's your secret? Well, there's absolutely no secret. You're either going to play hard or you're not going to play. That's a great motivational device. There it is. You'd be on the bench unless you play hard. And he's right. His guys compete uh, baseline to baseline, sideline to sideline. They played hard, and they won games because of that in part. He also talked about coaching Michael Jordan. He did it, uh, you know, as part of the Dream Team. And uh, in 1984, he had Jordan in an Olympic game as one of the coaches. And I remember 11 minutes, or 19 points, 12 rebounds, and 9 assists. And I walk over and I say, Mike, when the hell are you going to set a screen? I mean, we had four guys out there screening. When the hell are you going to screen somebody, Mike? I mean, all you're doing is rebounding, passing, and scoring. Damn it, screen somebody out here. And Mike looks up at me, you know, and, and you all know, and you, the world knows Michael Jordan's smile. I mean, it's the greatest. Mike looks up at me, and he smiles, and he says, Coach, didn't I just read last week where, where you said I may be the quickest player you've ever been around? And I said, what the hell has that got to do with you screening? And he says, Coach... I think I set him quicker than you can see him. Yeah. <laughs> That's Jordan. Great personality and a great, great player. He's a good joke teller, Bobby Knight. He has. Uh, he, he knew how to tell a story. He knew how to set up a story. Here he is talking about um, when he's gone, what he would like to see. This is a speech from uh, 1994 at Assembly Hall. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my ass. <laughs> they only made one of him. Uh, who else remembers that tense exchange with Jeremy Shap? Bobby Knight uh, on television talking with Jeremy Shap. I'll never forget him telling Jeremy that, you know, he basically he wasn't as good as his father. Here's Knight and Shep. Uh I think I, I when I talked about, about Pat. Bob, you came here to do an interview. I'm asking you questions. When I talked, well, then let me finish the go answer. Ahead. Is that okay, go Jeremy? Ahead. Is that fair enough? Please go right Have ahead. I interrupted your questions yet? Yes. No, I haven't. You've interrupted my answers with your questions, and then I've tried to get back. So, so let me continue. finish this. you got a long way to go to be as good as your dad. You better keep that in mind. I uh, appreciate it. <laughs> it can cut you. He could cut you right down uh, in a heartbeat. Uh, really good stuff. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.